Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Bandwidth. Um, on this episode of Bandwidth, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to introduce you to one of our sister brands, the IT Insider. Through our IBM business unit with Arrow ECS here in the UK, we give partners uh, the opportunity to contribute on white papers, case studies, blogs, posts, videos, and podcasts to an end-user marketplace where they can get their views, opinions, industry expertise, services and solutions out to a wider market. Recently, we recorded a special episode with our UK partner, Deeper Than Blue. And as it's coming up to Black Friday, Christmas and the sales, we thought you might be interested in knowing what goes behind all the e-commerce platforms, mobile apps and ways that you interact with retailers today. So sit back, fire up Amazon, peruse your next purchases and listen to this. Hello and welcome to another IT Insider podcast and today we have some uh, special guests in the audience um, which um, for those of you that are listening and can imagine this. On my left, I have Mr. David Fern, who's the CTO for ROECS UK. Hi, David. Uh, how, how are you doing, Richard? I'm, I'm very well, thank you, sir. <laughs> very well. I'd uh, like to say anything but the audience, though. <laughs> anything but the audience. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's let's get to the uh, let, let's get to the real crux of why we're here today. Um, and on my right, I have Sam Botham and Chris Booker from Deeper Than Blue. Hello. How are you both? Hello. Rich, lovely to see you. Thank you, Mr. Brooker. How yes. are you? I'm, d- I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I have to confess to everybody that um, see we, we know you guys pretty well. Um, I, you're, you're friends of Arrow, and uh, and I like to think it, it goes both ways. But yeah, considering that everybody who's tuning in, or a lot of people that are tuning in, might be tuning into the podcast for the first time, um, might be. Um, unfamiliar with yourselves as individuals would you like to give us a little bit of background about yourselves and david you can go last on this one of course chris sam ladies first thank you lady i feel very privileged um yeah be my absolute pleasure so i am as you said rich sam botham and um, i joined deeper than blue a year ago now uh, very exciting to join um, a channel premier business partner of IBM because I'd had uh, the last the previous 11 years with a career in IBM very much within the middleware space so um, focusing as a solution salesperson um, selling the WebSphere brand of products uh, which encompasses everything that Deeper Than Blue do so e-commerce solutions integration middleware uh, WebSphere, hybrid cloud, you name it, mobile, everything else. Um, so I'm very, very excited to join Chris and Tony, our other director, and um, move forward with this company with all the exciting things that, that we're doing. So fantastic. that's me. And Chris, what about yourself? Okay, so my role, Chris Booker, is sales and marketing director at Deeper Than Blue. I've uh, been pretty much in Deeper Than Blue from the start, and... Uh, we look to take Deeper Than Blue in a different direction to what we were seeing uh, in the UK market from some of the digital agencies and also the SIs in terms of how they were operating. Mm-hmm. Um, my background, I've worked in the IT sector for 20 years now, um, and we'd seen quite a lot of change in the marketplace during that time. 
but uh, a capability that we have and have developed through those 20 years is around digital transformation, which I guess we're going to move on to talking about today. Yeah, I mean, again, so for everybody's benefit on, on this podcast, you know, we, we've known each other for, for a number of years, Chris, and, I, and obviously I'm, I'm aware of your background and yeah, I, I'm aware of, you know, what you guys have been doing um, at, at Deeper Than Blue for a few years, and it's you mentioned digital transformation, and it is a it's a trend uh, on trend topic at the minute. It's it's one of the viewpoints, and David, we've we've spoken about digital yeah. transformation in the past. I mean, would you would you like to give us a view, Chris, of of, of what what you see as as being your definition of digital transformation, because when I look at Deeper Than Blue, you've got a vast amount of skills and experience in the business, and yeah, it, it, it'd be good to say, you know, or hear from you, you know, where you've taken and used that skill, not experience, and, and how you've in interpreted digital transformation and what it is to you. Sure. Thanks, Richard. So digital transformation, uh, from our perspective, can sit in two areas in terms of the market sectors that we uh, operate in. So business to consumer, which I guess we're all familiar with as, mm -hmm. as consumers out there. Um, and in that particular space, you're typically looking in today's projects around user experience, and that might be in retail. Mm -hmm. um, it could be in travel, uh, media, for example, as sectors. Uh, but you're typically looking at how uh, a customer, a client, would engage uh, with a business um, at the glass. So that's one aspect of it. Um, the second aspect to it is the same in business to consumer as it is in business to business. It's the enablement. So it's the transformation of the back office in order to make the front office applications more agile and be able to be adapted to that improve customer experience that you're looking to achieve and that's where a lot of the focus is around digital transformation at this moment in time and certainly where we're involved so you guys are involved in this yeah when we see in the trade press this talk of uh, when we hear from the industry analysts this talk of a, a shift in in business today away not away from but how there's a shift in focus from systems of record to systems of engagement and how you actually create those new systems of engagement, but then leverage them back into your traditional business. Is that, is that kind of the crux of it? Is that the special source? It is. It is very much so. I mean, uh, Sam made reference earlier to some of the hybrid cloud capabilities and, uh, and a brand that IBM has had for many years called WebSphere. Hmm. Um, and that effectively is some of the glue that is used. It's not the only glue that's out there, but it's some of the glue that brings things like systems of engagement and systems of record together. Mm. Um, so it's often un unseen, I think it's fair to say, because at the glass it's not something you witness, but if you are making a promise to a customer or to a client, you need to be able to deliver on that promise. And that glue, that middleware as we refer to it, is mm. what's used to br connect those systems of engagement to systems of record. Sam, you said you were involved in sort of solution selling for yeah, a, a good 10, 12 years yeah, or so. Yeah, well, that was only at IBM even before that, but yeah, <laughs> let's not give away my age. Is that... <laughs> no, you, we, will, we will always protect a lady's <laughs> modesty on this podcast. Um, is, that, is that something that you found, was it, uh, was it almost a, 
common to overlook that gluing of systems together when it came to deploying new solutions? Yeah, I, th I think solution selling has, has changed um, over time and you're very much um, dealing with a lot of the business users now and, as Chris said, the, the, you know, the end users and thinking about it from the customer's perspective. So the experience the customer's going to have and then what sits behind that. So agility, speed to market. Um, and with that customer experience, obviously, th there's, a, there's an element of personalization as well. You know, you want to make it quite a special journey for somebody when they're going online mm. to shop. And um, I used the example to Chris earlier of um, that ease of use. If you do online shopping, but, you know, you can't get to stories, you want to be able to have something there ready um, for collection or to, to be delivered to your door. All of that has changed. And prior to the times the, the sort of present times i think that um very much you you forgot about the back end it was two separate entities whereas now as chris said it's it's thinking about the whole journey really mm. and what's under the covers and we talked about one brand in particular websphere because obviously that's where our experience lays but all of the integration part of that brand is the back end of, yeah. that, of that journey, really. Um, and as a customer, uh, end user, you, you don't see what's going on, but there's so much uh, fantastic tooling now that allows that to be so streamlined um, that it makes the experience fantastic for that end user. Mm. I mean, David, we've spoken in the past about, you know, taking IT and, you know, regardless of what you know the latest and greatest new tech is um and you know however trendy it might be yeah it's got to solve a business mm -hmm. business problem there's got to be a business outcome from from deploying of that i mean does that does everything that that chris and sam have said about digital transformation to them does that ring true with you well absolutely absolutely and I, I love the fact that actually uh, i've said this a few times on the podcast um on on arrow bandwidth which is our sort of other podcast we run together um, you know, integration is possibly the single most important but underserviced part of the IT industry full stop. You know, I've, I've been in customer engagements before where they've turned around and said, not necessarily commerce and things like that, but where they said, right, we're going to have to buy product Z. Mm. We've got products A, B, C, D. And you go to them, well, what about if you just joined up products A and yeah. B and C and D? Then actually you'd have be something better than yeah. Z. It's going to cost you less. And actually your whole... Y your entire world is, is better optimized. So for me, you know, that middleware piece, although undervalued as far as a, you know, if we say sexy brand, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's not visualization, it's not no. big data, it's not yeah. something really yeah. cool and impactful. It's fundamentally just so, so important. And as we Essential. said on many podcasts before, if I got made redundant from Arrow tomorrow, I would be starting up an integration business specifically around the middleware piece because I think that it's such an opportunity. I'm not, thankfully, thankfully <laughs> the gods of Arrow. Um, but no, no, honestly, I think I couldn't agree more. Absolutely yeah. critical. And, and it, it's much, much, much more critical to business outcomes and digital transformation than I think is ever gleaned. Because I think everyone looks for the, the impactful, sexy stuff yep. rather than the, the stuff that just genuinely can make a, a huge, huge, huge amount of change yeah. immediately. Well, that is, like you said, the critical glue that holds everything mm. together. Yeah. But a lot of the time, the, the sexy front-end stuff is the thing that yeah. people are attracted to more. Um, but because you can visually turn around to a line. <laughs> I think this is also, it's probably the, one of the big the other issues is that that's because you can turn around to a line of business and go, look at what you spent your money on yeah. and look at what it's done. Yeah. Rather than you spent your money on some, some hidden stuff that, that's doing a really, really important job, but you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't really get it through your head because you're a... A CEO who doesn't really understand our infrastructure at the best of times, 
and telling you that I've optimized this process, which is going to do this, is really not going to. Um, yeah, I think it's it's it's, and I'd be interested to know your opinion on this. How do you go to organisations and and have that digital transformation conversation and get buy-in of people who aren't tech savvy, and sort of talk to them about WebSphere, middleware, that sort of piece, yeah, and get them to buy into it and understand that you know that's a really important thing to do. Well, I. Sorry, Sorry I was going to say, yeah, it, that sounds like a perfect opportunity to say, yeah, there's some examples you can talk about that, yeah. that kind of show that. Well, I was just going to say on that um, basis, which I did some training recently, I went, went to an event actually that IBM was hosting that said that, you know, over 70% of business decisions now are made by the, the business users, yeah. not the technical. So, so what you're doing as well, in effect, is you, you need to armor the, the, the business users in, in companies who um, haven't necessarily got that, um, you know, that, that sort of knowledge of that integration and middleware yeah, piece. Exactly. So, um, but you know, from my perspective as a sort of solution salesperson, then yes, you, you've got to start that um, conversation. You know, ultimately you are talking about the non-sexy stuff, but you've got to lead in with yeah. what it can do um, at the front end yep. to, to enable you to get to those CEOs and those business line of people. And I think fundamentally that comes down to you focusing on what it can do for their business in terms of, as I said earlier, speed, agility, and customer experience. Ma mm. Letting those companies yeah. um, know that we can help them get ahead of their competitors in, in, in the marketplace mm. by helping them with, um, with their customer experience and personalization. Yeah, it's very subtle, uh, but it is visible from a customer experience perspective. Because if you think about the online journey, yeah. At some point, you normally need to pay for that product or that service. And part of connecting to that payment network, and there are many of those out there, both in the UK and internationally, some of that glue is doing that journey for you. In mm. Behind the scenes, admittedly, but in your browser, you can see that act activity taking place um, to the extent that at some point you might be putting in your 3D secure kind of information. Mm. Um, the other areas are around things like click and collect. Yeah, where it needs to integrate into a store network for point of sale. Um, so the customer's going to the local store, aren't they, uh, as, as part of that experience? Absolutely. Well, I mean, so we've, uh, we've got a really good example of this where I met with a CIO of a big um, pizza company last year. And um, the first thing he said to me was, we are no longer a pizza company. We're a tech company that happens to sell pizza. <laughs> and I think actually it's a really interesting point of view because yeah. he said... People don't buy us because we have the best pizza. You know, the demographic that we sell to, I don't really care too much about what it tastes like. Yeah. As long as I get something that doesn't taste Ooh. absolutely awful, that's reality. Brand though. spokesman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> as long as it doesn't taste absolutely awful, they'll buy it. But what they want is they want massively um, simplified engagement. They want to be able, they want convenience. They want to be able to order it, pay for it, customize it on their mobile phone. They want to be able to yeah. track it. They want to have personalized analytics. They want to be able to only get off the sofa for the smallest amount of time to go and answer the door to get the pizza. I Sounds know that ridiculous, but on a Friday night. Exactly, <laughs> but the reality is that's their differentiator, not yeah. the quality or the choice of their pizza. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's be that's becoming more and more true because if you think about online shopping, buying product, you know, a, a commoditized product, be it a, a branded product or be it a non-branded product, you buy it from A, B, C, or D. So I buy, so for, th for the kids, we buy stuff from Next because we know that Same. other retailers are available. Yes. But, but very few offer you an experience where I can order up to 12 o'clock the night before. I'm going to pick right. it up from store the next day. And that must be a 
I mean, that is a serious IT system behind them. Absolutely mm. amazing, yeah. 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 To, to do the level of automation, the level of forward supply chain management, to be able to get that product from, from me clicking, cl- clicking at half past 11, saying I need a pair of swimming trunks yeah. to take my son swimming, to them being in stores, maybe able to collect them and then go and take him swimming, you know, before midday the next day. That's that's mental. And you said other retailers are available. Well, th- there's another competitive retailer to the said brand you talked about, who isn't at that point where if you order a school uniform or something for the kids um, by midnight or whatever, it takes up to three days for yeah, delivery. Exactly, mm. and which for used me, to be amazing. Exactly, but yeah. in the generation we live today, is just unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. Well, the new battleground is. Um, instant gratification absolutely yeah. is getting that product to the customers quickly within an hour in some cases mm. in certain locations uh, and obviously amazon's driven that with its kind of prime yeah. uh, focus that we've seen in recent years um but that is the new battleground certainly in 2017 it started to happen in the states in 15 and 16 uh, and people are considering how they get depots fulfillment <coughs> centers mm. pick up locations localized to consumers to get that actual time down to the bare minimum mm. so chris i we've spoken about and yeah uh, some of the some of the clients and customers that that you guys work with uh deeper than blue and admittedly when you've got a big business like like <coughs> the clothing retailer we mentioned and and, and amazon uh, how can you offer business that isn't on that scale the type of ex- user experience which allows them to compete or allows them to go from you know a, a regional UK business to national to multinational what I mean we see some really interesting type of clients that you guys work with would you like to be able to talk about a sure a couple of those examples so through those 20 years of experience w- that we have with the deeper than blue team we've been engaged in a number of projects um, and we use technology solutions from largely IBM, mm-hmm. um, using their world-class IBM commerce solution. That's obviously connecting different business channels together mm-hmm. uh, for retailers predominantly. And through those engagements, you know, we, we've, we've worked with businesses that have over 300 stores in their network and allowed people to do click and collect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just launched a store on behalf of one of the UK's leading music businesses <coughs> and uh, that's an online store but that permits click and collect from their single store but also from their warehouse directly oh. uh, that's a business called Anderton's Music Yeah, and uh, we launched that a couple of weeks ago but the technology platform st- sat at the back of that is available and affordable uh, through different models to small, medium-sized enterprises right through to the giants like Argos in the UK market. Yeah. Uh, so there are different commercial models that can be used, uh, typically running these today in the cloud um, to provide uh, elasticity around uh, the growth of those sites uh, and to remove some of the headache of operating technology solutions by your own internal team. So a, a business can, can invest at a level that is on par with where their business is today to allow them to compete in in probably in markets and in spaces that they wouldn't have thought feasible for them yeah. six months, 12 months ago, yeah? That's right. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And and does that mean also that they can that the type of clients that that you have and uh, and where you've seen success does that mean that they can also compete in some of the new trends that we've seen not just sort of that that user interface <coughs> interface and that single pane of glass but then when you see events like Black Fridays and the sorts of online sales and flash sales and all this sort of stuff is, is does that become an open option for the the clients that you're working with yeah very much so so you know we, we're approaching that time of year where black friday cyber monday becomes in focus yeah um one of the things we've seen in the last year two years is that instead of it being focused on the particular day so you know at midnight on black friday suddenly yep. these sales appear we've seen that be extended out to a full week now I think it's fair to say I've seen emails already this year in 2017 where November is a month businesses are extending the period even further uh, and they're using various promotions incentives deals but they're also wanting to personalize which is something we started to see last year but increased this year where we're trying to segment down to one individual and personalize that experience and that offer for the individual who's coming to the site. But I've certainly seen, uh, as we've gone into November, um, the offers being there straight away for the whole month. So retailers are clearly trying to change the game in terms of the period that Black Friday now appeals to. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, I've seen where they've offered, if you buy now, uh, we'll price promise that if we do reduce the price of the item, in the actual Black Friday week, we'll honour that. Wow. Or we'll give you loyalty points as an alternative. You can only really do that with the ability to integrate everything that's yeah. sat behind that platform. It is how, how, the mind boggles as to where you'd even start yeah. to be able to do that. But as a service, would that mean that I'd choose one retailer over another? Yeah, probably, because we've all had that pain oh, point yeah. where you've gone, right, I'll get in quick, I'll get in early, that's a really yeah. good deal, and then you go back, or, or even gone. worse, you get the email going, final reductions, it's like, well, I bought that two days ago, and you've knocked another 10% off. That's it, it changes how you as a customer engage with, with, with the brand. your, your yeah. brand, yeah. because yeah. you're going to go, well, that weren't very well planned, I'll buy it somewhere else next yeah. time. Yeah, But as you say, if you're, if you're looking in that, I think one of the one of the biggest problems is obviously as you say people say I'll put it off I'll put it off I'll put it off I'll put it off and then maybe don't buy it or buy it somewhere else. So as you say, if you can price guarantee almost against yourself, I mean it's just it's just a no brainer. You're going to go right I'll buy it right now because I'm protected mm. going forward to to any price drops that might occur. Yeah. It's genius. I think really. the personalization element as well is really appealing for people. You know, if you if you're getting personalized emails and yeah. reminders and you know maybe mobile texts things like that, I, th I think that's really really appealing to, to do you the think consumer. Do you think that's appealing or do you think that's um, a bit of a bugbear? I guess I'm talking from a personal point of yeah, view, but I, I, I quite like personalised, yeah. um, you know, shopping experience. But um, I, I guess my husband from a male shopping uh, experience yeah. may, may see it as a bugbear. Because that's, that's, that's another thing, isn't it? Female mm. and male yeah. Uh, yeah. shopping. The demographics are very different. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, and perhaps a different age um, thing as well, you know, so... 
no, oh. I, I think it's definitely food for thought, the way things are changing with that. So oh, I, I, I might not be the norm, but um, <laughs> I, th I think you're aware that I like to cycle. Um, yes. I probably uh, am slightly different in that I mountain bike as well as cycle on the road. Um, but one of the things I like, and I've seen it from the, you know, every Sunday night after I've been out cycling at the weekend, I get emails landing from a host of, UK retail uh, bike shops from people like Evans, Chain Reaction, mm. Wiggle, you name it. Yeah. Um, and they know what my interests are. So they will customize yeah. that message to me with their latest offers, with their latest new product launches, because we're about to hit 2018 and the new bikes are coming into, into store. And they will know what I've purchased from them and they will customize that experience. Yeah. So I think and that's quite enjoyable. And, and, and do you, you like enjoy that, that from mm. a consumer experience? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's something I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a hobby. Yeah. So I'm invested. Yeah. Yeah. So on the note of, of essentially remarketing, because this is what it technically is, right? It's mm -hmm. technically it's analytics to remarket. One of the things that does drive me insane in, in an experience, an online experience, is when you see those banner ads. So you've been to, I've just bought something and I'm getting adverts to buy it again. Me too. Yeah. That annoys that. me. The ones yeah. that chase you around the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I suppose there's nothing we can do about it, but my God, that does drive me insane. Yeah. <laughs> on a completely separate note. On a separate note. Let's well, just building on that, because it's an interesting point. I mean, um, I was going to speak about earlier, you know, you've got savvy shoppers today. Mm. I mean, we've taught shoppers not to buy at full price. When I say we, the retailers have. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll ask you guys, how often do you go to an online store, load up your basket, and then leave it? Mm, rumbled, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happens next? I will get a reminder that you've not completed your purchase. Uh, I might get uh, an offer of a discount if I place an order in the next uh, 24 hours or so. I'll get notification of a price change, which is one of the reasons I do exactly that. So have you been trained? No. <laughs> but I'm like you. I'm a I like to think I'm a savvy northerner. So, um, but yeah, I mean it's, it's a really good point. I've not been trained, but with what you just said there, David, it's I, my habits have been influenced by the features and functions that are avail available to me by how I go and shop. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into a physical store, fill my basket up, and then wait for somebody <laughs> to come <laughs> up and talk to me. Yeah. But I would absolutely do that yeah. online. Yeah. And and I think you know, as as we come to the end of the podcast and, and this episode, um, you know, this is for me. Yeah, it's it's fundamentally what we see in uh, in the IT channel. Uh, it, it's a great example of uh, yeah of what you guys are doing as well at Deeper Than Blue, which is actually you don't have to be. You can't just be masters of integration. You cannot just be subject matter experts at an IT layer. You have to understand the industries that you're working in. And and having clients in the retail space, I crikey, the the breadth of client engagements that you have to be able to go into. And come back to a point that you made, Sam, about being able to have the right type of conversation with the right people and really articulate the value of the technology that you can deliver rather than it just be another 
cost item line on a yeah. CIO's budget, which is fed into the board. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's really valuable. That you know, y- you're enabling a business not just to deploy a new technology and to integrate in the systems that they're currently running, but you're enabling them to go out and not just compete but disrupt. Yeah. in their markets places. And differentiate. I mean, one of our clients um, has launched a completely different model, a business model that is on a subscription basis. Wow. So we look at, uh, you know, retail, and we look at how do you create stickiness yeah. and, and bring the eyeballs back to the site. And in this particular case, um, this particular retailer has a monthly membership as part of the subscription model. Yeah. And that affords you access to their product range. But the key difference here is that that product range, which happens to be in beauty and cosmetics, um, instead of paying retail price, you are allowed to purchase at factory cost, which is a massive difference. Yeah. Mm. A massive difference. And that's where your subscription gets you, I'm assuming, mm. is access yeah. to that. It does. Pricing. Yes, yeah. but it but it's access to quality goods that, you know, are on par with the high end brands of, mm. of cosmetics, which a lady like myself will very much like and, and love um, to, to purchase, but that allows you, as, as um, Chris said, to, to break in at a factory price. So, yeah. So, can I ask one more qu- last question? Go on, then. So, if you must. obviously, we've spoken a lot about, and, and, you know, being more generic about the retail experience as a whole. What's the future of bricks and mortar and how, is, how are bricks and mortar stores going to start to um, bring some of these online capabilities into their bricks and mortar stores? You know, we've, we've spoken before about the future of retail around being able to tag items and, and have intelligent you know, shop shelves and, and be able to sort of understand through, through Bluetooth or beaconing or RFIDs or some technology how goods are being interacted with in store. Do you have any comments? I mean, do you have any experience? Do you have any sort of thoughts around this? And well, I think a lot of stores um, have moved to. Um, well, it, there's one particular um, uh, brand I can think of in the retail um, who've moved to kiosks, obviously in store, mm-hmm. and that and again enables a little bit more of consumer personalization. Yeah. Uh, the, the ability to look whether things are in stock, you know, um, what what color, size, etc., might be there. But you also have some of the employees now who have the iPads and the, the yeah. technology walking around, and you get that element. Concierge service, effectively. Yeah, that's it? right. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have the the element of, um, of of being able to sort of message people via text as they walk past the door of a uh, retailer or or, or or said shop. It doesn't have to be in the retail industry um, with specific uh, discounts that might be yep. on, or you know, to entice them mm-hmm. into the store, entice them into that bricks and mortar. So yeah. targeted messaging, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Effectively, um, we talked talk, talked earlier um, about the importance of localization of fulfillment. Yeah. Clearly the retailers with the large store networks or a store network have an advantage mm-hmm. in that they have effectively pickup locations or large warehouses local yeah. to large areas of the population. So they have an advantage from that perspective. I think we've seen in last couple of years the challenge of showrooming, mm-hmm. which was largely instigated by Amazon. But yeah. retailers need to take 
take that and use it to their advantage. Yes, they will compete on price, but they also need to be able to compete on things like returns. Yeah. Uh, make that simple, easy. Uh, Absolutely. But also the ability to purchase other items when you're in store. So it's long been known that customers will spend 2x, 3x when they're going into store than they will through just buying through one channel, for example, buying online. So they can differentiate, going back to your question, um, and they can leverage that asset that they have that is the store network. Uh, Sam talked about Next earlier. I mean, they leveraged their direct business. They were a catalog-based sales business, um, and they had stores as well. But the actual systems that they were using weren't necessarily connected, and we've seen this with a lot of direct businesses where the store network and the direct mail business were completely disconnected. And part of the process that organizations have gone through is connecting those people, processes, and systems together. Mm. Yeah streamlining it all as we talked about earlier so, so it will continue but yeah one last question for you richard uh-oh <laughs> so w when you go into store and you're thinking about buying something yes what do you do he fills up his basket and then stands That's there, around stands there, there looking lost until me. someone yeah. says it's 30% off, sir. I don't do this <laughs> shopping very often. Um. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot, Rich. I, ha I have staff for that sort of thing. Um, I think, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, Chris, but typically... And the threshold has come down based on the amount of spending. If it was a significant amount, I'd probably have started doing this more. But even now on, on you know, cheap things, I'll do my research before I go anywhere near a store. I'll check online if I'm mm. out and about on the street on my mobile. I'll compare pricing online on yep. a couple of stores. Do you really? Yeah. Well, if you look at I mean, come it's on. Do you know what? It's almost turning into a problem now. I yeah. Genuinely, it's not happened yet with coffee shops. I don't want to sound coffee, sexist, coffee but do you think that is a male versus... Well, I don't. So I just walk know, in the store and fill that basket it's up. It's a <laughs> northern thing as you know well. Yeah. 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 You know the Amazon app now has a barcode scanner built into it? Yep. So you can actually go in, scan barcodes, or, or take pictures of products, and it will recognize the product, so and look up on Amazon, and mm. see how much it will cost on there. Oh, my God, I didn't so know. So, I mean, talk about, simpli yeah. Yeah. Talk about simplifying yeah. the ability yeah. to basically be yeah. a bit of a, a shopping tart, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's a, an ideal example, isn't it, of the showrooming at its extreme where people can do that. And you see that with... All ages of the population, from mm, yeah. you know the millennials that have, or, are always spoken around, right through to you know the the silver hair brigade. I've seen studying yep. John Lewis, and they've got their phones out and compared the price <laughs> of a camera or something mm. else in that shop. Yeah, the essence is you're in that store, so we need to get the technology in the store to make it easier for the yeah uh, sales assistants. And store associates, if we're talking about US parlance, yeah, to close the sale with you. And yeah. whether that's offering the same price, so price matching, making it easier that the product <coughs> is there in front of you, there and then, there's no waiting. So mm. the instant gratification is immediate mm. and you can take it home now versus waiting an hour or waiting three days. But I mean, here's, here's a right, so final thought future of, future of retail. Ooh. Will it be a, so I mean, my vision for the future of retail is a real blended approach. So obviously online is probably going to be the primary method that most people do, as, as especially as you know, my generation and the generation behind me sort of go and come through into the next, into 
you know the key buyers and the key demographics for for retailers but do you see a day one day when the 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 height the the, the big retail parks the shopping centers they become showrooms essentially so you don't buy anything there you go on you try you try on clothes you try on shoes you try on whatever you want to do and then you literally say All right, i'll buy that and then it's at your home by the time you get back from your shopping experience. I'd argue Do you ever stole. imagine that mm. that could be a reality? I hope I not, and I'll tell you why, because <laughs> maybe this is because I'm a bit of a shopaholic, but I like do the feel-good... you like carrying go- the bags? Yes, <laughs> I do, Dave. So, honestly, I like this the feel-good... This is a definite go- distinction. Yes, I, would, I, know. I would trade anything to avoid that. I yeah, like the feel-good <laughs> factor of actually finding something, trying it on, it looking good, buying it, but here's the thing, and walking away you, with those bags. If you could, if, they, if a retailer could do work in that way, then they could stock a lot more options of things mm. because it's all coming from a central depot, mm. which means that almo- they'd almost definitely not have it in, well, they'd never have it not in your size. You'd always be able to try on what you wanted. And the, the time, and I, I So that's saving the sale effectively, yeah? Yeah. Mm. I mean, and, and that's the thing. You could turn around and say, and it'll be at your door by the time you get home. Yeah. And you could walk into that restaurant, I got right, personal beef, right? But I cannot stand when I go to a restaurant, when we're out shopping, and I'm carrying a thousand bags, and I'm knocking everyone as I'm walking past, and I'm just being a right pain in the yeah. backside. Sorry, and I drop my bags down, and they fly everywhere, and they're all over the place, and I'm trying to stack them onto the table and prop them up my foot, and I'm worried if I go for a week. You need a PA. Right, all right. David, you oh, need a PA. I do yeah. need a PA. <laughs> I think what Sam's described, and, and I think yourself to some extent, David, is Sam likes the experience. She mm. likes the physical experience of going in store mm. and she likes to walk out of that store, like my wife, to be fair, <laughs> yeah. with many items. <laughs> but many, I'll, I'll many leave items. you I will leave you with one sort of one comparison then. Go on. People used to like the feel of a physical C D or a physical book. Ooh. Ooh. That is feed for thought. There you go. Well wow. on that. On that note, yeah, on that note, I, I, it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you over the last half hour. It hasn't time flown. I hope it has for our listeners as well. Uh, if you are interested in any of the topics and conversation points covered on this episode of IT Insider, then please do go to deeperthanblue.co.uk uh, where you'll find a lot more supporting information, case studies, references, views, and opinions, or alternatively, the IT Insider web's website, where you will also find a lot of really interesting articles from Deeper Than Blue around a lot of the work and a lot of the uh, a lot of the talking points that we've 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 been through today. So, on that note, Sam, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Richard. It's been a pleasure, and thank you, Dave. Chris, always a pleasure, never a pain. Thank you very much for taking the time out to come and talk to us today. Thank you too, Richard. And thank you, David. It's been uh, a pleasure being with you. You're welcome. Brilliant. All right. Tune in next time for more. Thank you very much. Bye now. Hello and welcome to another IT Insider podcast. So, I hope you found that really interesting. And if you are a business partner, vendor, you work in partnership with Arrow, and you'd like to come onto our show, Bandwidth or IT Insider, and talk a little bit more about what you do, then please do get in touch. Oh, and by the way, other retailers do exist. Cheers. Bye-bye.